So I have a life question. Um, so PK, when you were reading from Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 16, yes, Deuteronomy 16 on the Feast of Living Bread, Feast of Weeks, the verse started by saying, and every year the men were to gather for this feast, right? And then you kind of related it to how the feasts, um, how um, Apostle Paul talked about the living and everything. I'm, I'm a bit concerned or confused about that line. Back then, why was it just the men that were to gather? Because I've heard teachers say that those feasts, feasts happened so that like, they were like um, camp meetings, quote-unquote, for the Israelites then to keep them from going back to idolatry and things like that. But why was it just for the men? And is there a New Testament connotation that maybe balances it out? Or is that like just some clarity in that regard? So just to be clear, this is a, a concern for feminists. <laughs> Are you a feminist? <laughs> Anyways, this is what it means. Um, historically speaking, the men were the covering of the house. They were the ones in charge of the families and... If there was going to be a representative, it has to be the men. So you can't have every single person leave their houses unattended to, and everyone goes to the place. The scripture says they'll go to a place where the Lord instructs them. So you don't know how long that's going to be. You don't know. And so, yeah, the pragmatic way was that let the men who are representative of the families go to do that. So the, the, the wives will be there waiting, the children will be there, and the offering that the man takes covers the family. Does that make sense? Yes, it makes sense. Um, like, why I ask that question particularly, right, is for our context today. We saw from Joel 2 verse 28 and even Ezekiel that the Lord pours out his spirit upon all flesh, men, women, children, maidservants, right? Now, if I have a conversation with someone and they bring up that scripture that the gathering was supposed to be for men, is it a, does, um, is it a considerable rebuke to bring up what happened in the upper room? Mary was there and there were other women there when the Holy Spirit was given. Is that a sufficient rebuttal? Yes, and those feasts are no longer celebrated for the New Testament believer. I mean, if you're Jewish and you decide to celebrate it, that's fine. But as a New Testament believer, the, feast, the reality of the feast has come. And everyone partakes of the feast. It's not just men. Yeah. So what happened at the upper room, like you said, is a picture that everyone was included. Out of the 3,000, surely everyone was included from different nations, from different... And I don't even know why it didn't click to the disciples then, that people from different places could partake and become, did you get? And they were still shocked when Cornelius received the Spirit. Anyways, well, yes, everyone now can partake in what God had promised to us, the promise of the Spirit. Thank yeah. you so much for sharing, PK. I have one more question, right? Because I, I was privileged to watch you prepare for service today. And I know that this teaching or this kind of teaching is not like the usual God will do this for you, God will do that, like kind of like exciting, ear-itching kind of teaching. So what, what would you say to someone that genuinely wants to understand things like this in the Word of God better, 
but they find it like hard. Like, because even you acknowledge that this teaching is a hard one to deliver and assimilate. So, how do we learn to stay with the word of God even when it is not exactly what we want to hear or what we think is exciting? My first advice would be don't sit on a window. <laughs> do you guys get the joke? So there's a guy called Eutychus. As Paul was preaching, Baba was on the window, fell down from the window and died. That's how terrible, not terrible, that's how almost boring the teaching seemed. Paul was not faced though. He said, ah, are we done? Where's brother Eutychus? He has died. Ah, Beleo. Went to meet him. Oh yeah, stand up in Jesus' name. Came back. Continued teaching. <laughs> so, by that example, if I see you sleeping, I'm not faced. But the truth is, some of the, the, some of the teachings, when you talk about preachings where you can do this, you can make this, God will do this in your life, they only are sustainable when you have the right foundational knowledge. So if I tell you, you God can bless you, if you don't have the foundation that God is your father, and because by adoption you belong to him and his family, it's not sustainable to believe that God cares about you. All you know is, oh, he's just Rafa when he heals, or he's Jaira when he provides. But he's more than that. Do you understand? And so when you understand who he is to you, where your place is in him, and why that happened, it makes all the blessings of God easier for you to receive. So we are just two months in this teaching, almost two months in this teaching series. It's a build-up. We're getting somewhere. As we go in the year, teachings will become more pragmatic, more practical, but at the same time, um, it gives you the right balance in terms of who you are in the Lord and what this new covenant means for you. So yes, I would encourage you to listen to these teachings, ask questions, apply them, and put them to work. They are, they are to be practical in your life. So when we teach you, you belong to God's family, it's for you to remind yourself that you belong. You belong to God's family. You belong in church. You belong in community. And that God's spirit dwells in you. So it's very practical, and, and I'll just encourage you to learn to endure, for a lack of a better word, Endure the boring teachings and embrace them as much as you do the exciting ones. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing, PK. Please, could you celebrate? Okay, okay, okay. All right, so please, could you come forward, sir? We can, oh, bring, we can bring the mic to him. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm fine, Pastor K. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much, sir. Uh, the class today is more like a... Uh, a hard teaching. I'm trying to process it in my head. And I bless God for the words as they were coming out. I was just trying to remember the days I was in school. There is this course we call logic. Very hard. And when the lecturer is delivering it, he's very happy. Telling us the things we don't understand. <laughs> you know, just like you were happy. You know, you were talking it and uh, you were so excited and all of that. But we, we go, God, God, God just give us wisdom to understand this now. Uh, and I know that, like her mommy said, uh, over time, it's a build-up. Yeah. And I'm sure that by the time we go back to reflecting about it, uh, we'll get more understanding of it. Yeah. My question per se is this, sir. Uh, the baptism, as it were, 
uh, when the thief said, remember me in your kingdom, he just said something. Now, he didn't take him down for the drama. To say, okay, let's go there and do the thing quickly. Then we'll come back and then, oh God, here we go. Uh, but in many other churches that I've been to, they make the baptism look like a topic, like a substance. I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. The baptism is not dived the way you have actually gone down to bring it up in this mystery that we are hearing today. It's just that baptism is just, is narrowed down to a mansion and the consequences or the implications of it or the importance of it. So by saying that, okay, uh, when we're talking about baptism, spiritually, it's just a way of uh, you being immense, being brought out, burial, crucifixion, and resurrection, and all of it. And that is all we know about it. But you have gone deep down into this issue of baptism now. And uh, what exactly, are we to say, my question is this, are we to say that uh, if one is not baptized, literally now, if one is not baptized, you are actually still complete in Christ. Praise God. Hallelujah. That was a very well thought out question. Thank you so much, sir. You're Mr. Ayo, right? You're my dad's namesake. <laughs> um, so I, this is what I would say. The one, now there's something in the Roman Catholic, um, the core Roman Catholic sect, which is called baby baptism or child baptism. Where when you are born, they get water and sprinkle on you. Not even full immersion. You are sprinkled with it. And by that sprinkling, you are sanctified by God in God's eyes. If that person grows up, never truly submits to the Lordship and believes in the, in the work that Jesus did, that person is not saved. They're not saved. So people can be immersed in water and not actually believe what the water baptism typifies. So it makes no meaning. So, real baptism is what we've talked about, is the baptism by the Spirit. That was always the point. It was foreshadowing what Jesus was going to do to everyone who believes in him. So, now, I have no problem, to be fair. And if you want to know how water baptism, how we handle it now in the new covenant, we will probably talk about it in detail next week, just a bit. But I have no problem with you immersing people in water as long, because to be fair, it's a beautiful thing to see. I was talking to someone, I was like, I love it. I've seen some churches do it. It's so dramatic, glamorous. Everyone cheers you on. They bring you, it's, it's beautiful to see. But again, like I said, it's only a symbol, but not the actual substance, like you mentioned. So the real substance is faith in Jesus. When that happens, you are included in God's family by the Spirit and you've been baptized. That's the true baptism. So if that is missing and there's water baptism, it's, it means nothing. That's what I would say. Please, can you celebrate Pastor Kenneth? The Vivify Church, please celebrate your pastor. Hallelujah.